Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. called Our Tongue. And this series that we're going to walk through, um, this series that we're going to walk through, I've thought that analogy stood out to me so much. It says dynamite. Do we realize that our tongue, it has this amazing power to create new roads. It has this amazing power to create. It has an amazing power to build up your kids, to get people to dream, to get people to walk into the future that God has for them. But there's also the power of the tongue can be used to destroy. And so I hope you're excited about this new series we're going to start for a couple weeks here at Cornerstone. Can we welcome, it's a good looking, good looking group today. You all are looking amazing. Can we welcome anyone who might be streaming at home? There seems to be more and more jumping on the stream as life changes and things happen. So if you're with us online, can we say what's up? We're glad you are listening. Do you have a Bible today? Would you break out the real thing, or would you turn a Bible on to James chapter 3? James is one of my favorite books in all of Scripture. Um, you could call it a, a book that is all about the, 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 if you have accepted Christ and you call him Lord of Lords and King of Kings, then there, if you want to look at a manual for living, of course the entire Bible in its in its whole, is, is, is a, a manual for how to do life. But an in particular book, the book of James, is, is a wonderful instruction manual for everyday living. So if you have a Bible, James chapter 3, we're going to look at verse 1. And before we get into God's Word, if you were with us last week, we saw and we studied two heroes of the Bible. One of them was Queen Esther. Do you remember her? And then we spoke about King Jehoshaphat, and they faced this situation where they got into some trouble, or their people got into some trouble. They didn't create the trouble, they didn't cause the trouble, but trouble was coming for them. Trouble was coming to actually take their life and the life of their people. They faced a moment that all of us face is they became very afraid. How many of you know fear is a very real emotion? It's okay to feel that emotion. It's okay to be fearful. And we learned from Esther and Jehoshaphat One of the greatest ways we can combat fear is through prayer and through fasting. We did that for 21 days. Did you enjoy that series? That was a wonderful time of prayer and fasting for what God wants to do uh, in the future in your life here and at Cornerstone. Well, one of the things we we can see after they prayed and after they fasted, Jehoshaphat was a king. He was the king of Judah. And he instructed the nation to do something that I think is so amazing they began to praise him. So they prayed and they fasted and then they praised. You know, with our mouths, we can offer God our praise, right? We do that every Sunday as we come and as we gather to worship. Praise is probably the most powerful weapon we have against fear, right? Praise is probably one of the most powerful tools in the arsenal that we have when we are fearful. Begin to offer the Lord your praise in those moments of fear. Well, we also, as we have the ability to praise Him, 
we have this, on average, they say the human tongue is about three inches. We have this three-inch muscle in our mouth. The average tongue, they say, you know, what do you think about this? They say the average tongue weighs about two ounces. Think of the rest of our body, like, I mean, it doesn't matter what weight you are, right? They say the average human tongue weighs about two ounces, and it has this unique ability to bring people together, and it has this unique ability that it can also blow people up. It can blow people apart. The tongue can destroy, or it can build. It can give life. It can ruin your life. It can even take a life. With the tongue, we have so much power, don't we? And we can even, like, it's sad, but we see it around, especially right now, because it seems like there's there's more and more creative ways to communicate than ever in the history of mankind. And so we know there are those areas where we see the tongue bringing death, I would say it like this, on a regular basis. And in culture, we, we see it, but it's worrisome to me as we talk about as a Christ follower, as a body of Christ, there are often far too many moments in my life, far too many moments we see it in the life of Christ followers where we allow the tongue to run wild. We allow the tongue to, exp- um, to, to gosh, release this explosive power, just like dynamite. I love that Dr. Tony Evans, he said, there was a man named Alfred Nobel. Does that, ring, does that name ring a bell? Right? The Nobel Peace Prize. It's almost as if at the end of his life, he was looking for a way to make things right. Right? He, he had created this, that, that gunpowder wasn't strong enough or accurate enough. They had other substances that would blow up in wagons, and he created dynamite as a safe way to transport explosives as, so people could, our country could expand west and different things would happen. But as you know, dynamite became a very useful tool to wage war with. Probably something he never thought about. His heart, probably not something his heart was set on. Well, James begins in chapter 3 with this warning and these words. And this is a a, a portion of Scripture that I'll be honest, I I, I wish this portion of Scripture wasn't here. Do you ever have parts of Scripture that you read and you go, oh my goodness, that makes me a little uncomfortable, right? Well, here we go, and this applies to each of us in maybe one particular way, shape, or form. It especially applies to if you are a teacher at school or you teach in our school, a Christian school, or if you lead a small group, it applies to teachers, pastors, leaders, no doubt. If you're a parent that you teach your children about Jesus, well, then this scripture is one that should get our attention a little bit. Are you ready to get in the Word today? Church, are you ready to get in the Word today? That's it. We're, got to, we're here. We're ready to go. Let's James chapter 3. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. I'm going to stop right there and say, I, that makes me a little uncomfortable. Right? And I said that if you lead a small group, if you are sharing Christ with a friend at work, if you are doing a Bible study in your home, if you're teaching kids in the classroom, if you're teaching your kids at home, James is saying be really, really careful when you bring God into the equation. When you, bring, when you begin to mix your opinion with God's spoken words, you need to be careful. You need to be careful because you represent a king 
in charge and you need to represent him appropriately is what James is saying. He, he says you're going to be held to a higher level of accountability. Number one, I, I can't stress this enough. Would you write this down in your notes today? And I specifically began this point with the war, all these points today. I want them to be uh, us to focus on ourselves. I believe this is a word that isn't for that annoying guy you work with or girl. This isn't a word for your wife. This isn't a word for your husband. Sometimes we listen to a sermon, you're like, honey, did you pay attention? Did you catch that, dear? Right? This is a message that I believe is for each of us. This is, I, I didn't even put you. I, this is a message for me. Would you write this down, number one? My words. Somebody turn to someone and say, my words. Not your words, right? Not responsible for your words. I'm responsible for my words. My words carry the DNA of life and death. Would you write that down this morning? My words carry the DNA of life and death. Paul writes in, in Colossians chapter 4, your speech, your speech should always be gracious. Your speech should always be seasoned with salt so that you may know how you should answer each person. Notice as Paul writes this, he doesn't say, your speech should sometimes be gracious, right? He doesn't say your speech should be gracious after you've had your two cups of coffee, right? He doesn't say your speech should only be gracious if you've had your full eight hours of sleep and the kids didn't sneak into your bed and bug you at night and put their elbows into your back, right? You know, what's he say? Your speech should always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. It doesn't say so you should know how you should answer some people. You know how you should answer people who you agree with, people who sound like you, talk like you, or look like you. No, no, he says you should know how to answer each person that God brings across your path, that God brings into your life. These days with the power of technology, it's amazing how we communicate, isn't it? We think about it like with the power of technology, and, and look at this, even if we, we talked about the invention of dynamite, it's always interesting to me that as we progress in technology, there's always that ability or that option to use it for a sinful purpose, isn't there? Like you think about the phone in your pocket, you have a phone that gives you access to God's living word, and not only that, you can have like 50 different translations right? You can, like there is so much information, but there is also so much destruction that that phone, that computer in your pocket can cause. Today with the power of technology, with social media, it seems like when we talk about our words being dynamite, anyone now can be a theologian. Anyone now can be, if you are a school teacher, I'm sure you have seen people on Facebook tell you what it's like to be a school teacher, even though they've never been in a classroom a day in their life, Correct? Some teacher, and teachers in the house say amen, right? You, 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 nowadays, you can be a fireman, you can be a police officer, you can be a doctor, right? You can be whatever profession you want to be, and you can post your opinion about how that job should operate and should look because you did five minutes of research on the internet, correct? Like the way we can communicate, we can share our opinion as if it's a it's a studied fact, even though there is no degree on my wall about that, even though there is no experience about it. As Christians, one of my favorite um, 
won't say the church, the church he was affiliated with, but one of my favorite worship leaders of all time in the last like two years has gone through this process of what nowadays a lot of guys that are like my age, getting close to 40. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I think any baby boomers in the house say boomers. Any baby boomers? Come on, raise your hand, baby boomers. Or what's, what's beyond the baby boomers? Who was before the baby boomers? We don't even know. The great, was it the greatest generation? All right. So we have any baby boomers, Gen Xers, greatest generation folks in the house. When you get around 40, you guys had it right. We have it wrong. We're a very touchy, us millennials and whatever we are. You guys called it midlife crisis, right? Simple definition. We understood what it meant. You're 40. You don't want to stay married anymore. You're going to cheat on your spouse. You're going to do all these things. You guys called it midlife crisis. My generation, we like to butter it up, and they call it deconstructing your faith. Whatever the heck that means, right? One of my favorite worship leaders, he's gone through this process where, um, and, and, and man, some of his songs, like I still, it's, it's like we play them to this day, and he's gone through this process where I'm deconstructing my faith, where part of me just goes, just say what you're really about, and that is you didn't want to stay married, you didn't want to do all these different things, but anyways, we'll get back to it. But nowadays, you can be a Christian artist and deconstruct your faith, and you have influence over hundreds of thousands of people, even though you never went to theology school. You know, you became, this, this guy in particular, you, you got popular at age 18 and you made a massive living off writing Christian music, but you never trained theology, you never trained in school, you never, you never went and, and studied this in a classroom, but now, because of technology, you have a spiritual impact and influence over thousands of people because of what you post online. James would say to that right now, be very careful with how you use your spiritual influence. Be very careful with whether that influence is, is formal or informal. Be very careful with what you post for hundreds or thousands to read about. I, I think James would say to us, if you give spiritual instructions to people, you're going to be judged more harshly. Whether that speaking is done intentionally, unintentionally, formally or informally, through the mouth, or today, through what? The fingers, right? Through, the, through what we're typing, James would say, be careful when you bring up God. Be careful when you mention the king. Be careful when you talk about the Lord of lords. All right, we're only in verse one. We're getting a lot. We're going through 12 verses. You with me? You tracking? Somebody say yes. Just keep going. All right, let's go, let's go. Verse two, indeed, we all make mistakes. Somebody say amen to that. Thank you for writing that, James, right? We all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every way. I love the, the humanness that comes out in James' writing here. He says, look, I, I've got to be honest with you now. We have all messed up, right? Would you throw two hands in the air if you say, you know, there's words that I have spoken that I wish I could snatch back. Don't you wish you could just catch them right out of the air and bring them back? Right? Words, things, tirades that we have unleashed, whether through the mouth or through the fingers. But James says we've all messed up. We've all, we've all blown it. But he gives us a little bit. If you look with me, church, at the end of this verse, he tells us what spiritual maturity looks like. 
He gives us a, 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 a hint at what spiritual maturity looks like and what it can become because he says this. Look at the very end of the verse. He says, for if we could control our tongues, would you read it with me? We would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. James says, if you learn how to rule your tongue, you will learn how to rule all of your other actions and things that you associate with and do at the same time. You see, many of us sometimes as, as Christians, and, and I grew up in like, you know, I grew up like Cornerstone was my culture I grew up in, right? Some of us have maybe grown up in the Bible Belt or you've grown up in a different denomination depending on your background. But I would say church that I, the church that I have seen on the west coast of America, right, we put a lot of emphasis on, and, we do, and these, aren't, these are good things, folks. This isn't, I'm not saying this is bad. We put a lot of emphasis on attending church, right? Show up. Which we, that's important. We put a lot of emphasis on prayer. We just finished 21 days of prayer. That's, that's really important. God said, my house should be known of a house of lights and rock stars, no, 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 right? He said, my house shall be known as what? Say it with me, a house of what? Prayer, yes, right? We put a lot of emphasis on prayer, good things, attending, yeah, getting like, that's what Jesus, like we put a lot of emphasis on the things Jesus did, right? We put a lot of emphasis on giving, that's important, right? Trusting God, like God surrendering my, my, my finances to you. We, we put a lot of uh, uh, emphasis on serving, actions, 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 right? And those are wonderful important things to practice they are valuable they're important but there's a scripture that i look to and if you have your bible just flip back a couple pages james chapter 1 verse 26 because to me this scripture makes me realize there could be some of us here and there's seasons in my life where i've realized i could look back and go i was just wasting my time in church that day because i didn't get this right there could be some of us, we're just wasting our time with religious actions if, if, this is a big if, if we consistently leave a trail of destruction around us with our mouth. Read what James says, James chapter 1, 26, if anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, and his religion is useless, and he deceives himself. How many of you know you can be an amazing church attendee, you can be a prayer warrior, you could be a wonderful giver, a wonderful, wonderful person who serves, but your mouth can undo every bit of that. Your tongue, that, that, that two-ounce muscle in our mouth, can undo every action we have shown people of what we're about. If we, if, right, this is a big if, if we consistently make a mess with our lips. Verse 3. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go even though the winds are strong. I love the book of James because it's everyday analogies that we can relate to, right? Paul, Paul is one of those guys, I gotta, I gotta read the, the, the writings of Paul over and over again. But James, it's like, I get it. Do you know that little piece of equipment that goes in the horse's mouth that has the ability to control the entire animal? How many of us have ever been blessed enough that you've, you've enjoyed some type of boating experience? 
whether it's Lake Mead or the Pacific Ocean on a giant cruise ship, whatever it is. Anybody ever been on a cruise, right? All the free food, all the fun, all that. I think of that, there is a rudder that controls this hotel on the ocean, right? Think of this massive, it's a floating hotel controlled by this little thing in comparison, yet it dictates the direction. It dictates the location they will arrive to. God designed our tongue to do the exact same thing. God designed our tongue to direct our life. Would you write that down? It's not in your notes, or if you have your smartphone app today, would you throw that into one of those boxes that we leave for you to take some notes? God designed my tongue to direct my life. It's small, yet it's so powerful. James says if you can get that under control, you're not going to have ruined relationships. If you can get that under control, you might even have flourishing, healthy relationships. The tongue will lead you to success at home. It will lead you to success with your your husband. It will lead you to success with your wife in your relationships. Your tongue will lead you to success in the workplace. Your tongue will lead you to success in your choices. I would say like your tongue can lead you to success in your bank account, right? My goodness. Verse 5, in the same way, The tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness. Can you believe this? Like two ounces, a two-ounce part of our body. It is an entire world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. And here we go. The very end of this verse, it doesn't get much scarier than this. It says, for the tongue is set on fire by hell itself. Wow. How, how, we, it's almost as if God is saying, do I have your attention yet? Right? Do I have the attention? Number three, and this may sound harsh, and it actually is, but I believe it's what Scripture is telling us today. Number three, and again, this isn't for anyone else. This is for you. This is for me. Would you say this one with me? My tongue has the power of hell behind it. Oh, that'll wake you up. That'll wake you up. You might be like, that doesn't feel right, right? Sometimes we read scripture like, that doesn't, that doesn't, that that seems a little too harsh, right? And we may talk about this experience next week a little bit. It's been on my heart. And um, it's this experience that Jesus had with Peter. You remember, uh, Peter was the guy who asked good questions. He was, he was the guy, he was the rock on which, like the, the, the man he became but he was always the guy that would ask the tough questions and put himself out there as the class example, so to speak, right? And he has this conversation with Jesus, and things are going really well. Sorry, my nose is itchy. Things are going really, really well. He has this conversation, and it's amazing because the tongue can just get us into trouble. And in a very instant, the conversation goes from Peter is 
He's engaging, and he's, Jesus says, well, who do you think I am? And he, all these different things. And then in a moment, Jesus says these words to Peter. You guys remember, he says, get behind me, finish it off. Satan. Yeah, some of us are like, what? Jesus said that to his boy, to his disciple. He called him Satan. Like, I couldn't imagine a worse thing for Jesus to say, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan, is what Jesus said. And we're going to get into this idea, this scripture a little bit more, but think about, the Bible talks about a forest being set on fire by a spark. And in our part of the country, can we relate to forest fires a little bit? Every summer, right? Come August, we're going to be like, some of us are going to be like, I'm going to do church on home because I can't even, I'll do it online in August because I can't even see the sky. Because all the California smoke will be blowing in, right? We, we know how this goes in Las Vegas. All the forest fires that take place. The Bible says a little spark can, can turn into a forest fire. And how much time does it take for that forest to repair itself? How much time does it take for life to come back after a forest fire has raged through a countryside or a mountainside? And that's the way our tongue is, the wrong word at the wrong time, the wrong joke to the wrong people in the wrong moment can destroy a job, a marriage, a life. It can break trust. You can lose a lifetime worth of acquired respect and acquired deposits with a few wrong words in the wrong moment. Have you ever experienced something like that? Where you just, just something someone said, or you said, or something in the workplace where it was like, oops, and there is no going back, is there? There's no taking it back, there's no running it back through time, there's no time machine. Tony Stark is not there to save you, right? Can't reverse it. Verse 7, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue, it is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Is this language getting our attention at all? Like, I don't know any way he can write this a little more descriptive, right? He's saying, man, what we possess, it can, it can be full of deadly poison. We need to wake up and realize, like, one of the greatest tricks of the enemy, right, is to convince God's people that what comes out of our mouth is really just not that big of a deal, right? He says one of, what comes out of our mouth is just not that big of a deal. So, but, but, but man, the Bible says, when we watch this encounter with Jesus and Peter, it, the Bible says we could actually be sharing something on behalf of the enemy himself. We could actually be sharing something, we could actually be speaking for Satan himself. And what a tactic to convince us that it doesn't matter, that little curse word, that little whatever. And we all have messed up. I love that James includes that because he's like, we've all blown it, right? Uh, we had that marriage conference last week and one of the pastors that was here, his name was Pastor Vernon Fox, and he put a quote on the screen that caught my attention because it spoke about actions. And how, like I said, Prayer, attendance, giving, serving, actions are so important. But here was the quote he said. His name was Pastor Vernon Fox. He said, 
your actions, I think he said this was a coach that he had. He said, your actions speak so loud I can barely hear what you're saying. Which that's a powerful way to live our life. Probably a way we should all strive to live our life. He says, your actions speak so loud that I can barely hear what you're saying. But here's the, the, the opposite of this idea and the hard fact about that reality. If you live your life that way, that's an amazing thing. But the hard fact is what comes out of our mouth can in fact discredit every action you ever take. Right? Like that, that, I love that quote, and that should be the goal, but then the seriousness of what we say and what we do, what comes out of our lips can discredit everything you have lived for. Everything, all the character you have built up, it can all be come down in a moment. And Satan wants us to think that, you know, it's just, it does little or it does no damage, and I think we understand, we should understand from James, he's saying, no, it's poison. How many of us want to mess around with poison? Not at all. It's like, wake up, I'm trying to get your, it is deadly, it can be poison. It can be dynamite. It can be absolutely deadly. Our speech, when it's empowered by hell, Satan is looking for ways. I think, I think the thing he's trying to just do is, you know, let me just set spark after spark after spark. You know the interesting about little sparks, like watch the show Survivor, not every spark that they create catches fire, does it? But man, that destructive force and power when that fire is created and it takes place. I think he's an enemy of our souls. He's looking to pour verbal fuel on the fire, gasoline on every spark that we throw out there. So when we give him a spark, it's like, man, he, look what he, he's, he's ready to multiply it. He, that's his goal. I love this passage. Would you look at the end of, would you look at verse 7? People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but we can't tame the tongue. I love watching videos sometimes with my girls. Um, I love big cat videos. I don't know why. Big predators. I love videos about orcas. Orcas were the artists formerly known as Shamu, right? Anybody remember when orcas were, we called them Shamu back in the day, but now they're Orsinius orcas. I, I used to want to be like a marine biologist back in the day. I loved all things Shamu related. But uh, it's interesting to me when we, when we talk about whether it's you know, Vegas, we remember that show, Siegfried and Roy, where they have these massive tigers and lions. The most fierce apex predators in their territory, right? We can train them, we can teach them to do what we want them to do. These, these orcas, right? Think of, think of this, this, this. I saw a video, it was, a, it was a, a, an orca taking on and hunting. A pod of orcas were hunting a hundred foot blue whale. The apex predator in their territory... And James says, we can master all of them. That's what we can master them all. But the tongue, it refuses. The tongue refuses to be tamed. Paul says in Romans chapter 3, he says, no one is righteous, not one. They deceive with their tongues. He says, vipers, venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. The idea behind this series is, folks, we have dynamite in our tongue. We have a weapon that we possess. And you know the thing I was thinking about this, weapons aren't necessarily a bad thing, or we could even say maybe like this, not even a weapon that we possess, but we have a tool that can be used as a weapon for destruction, or that tool can be used as something good to build. 
it can be the most amazing thing we have if we acknowledge and we are aware of its power. The old Peter Parker, right? With great power. Somebody say it with me, Uncle Ben, right? With great power comes great responsibility, right? Our tongue is powerful. And this is a warning shot. James is like almost begging us, imploring us, be careful with this tool. It has the power to bring life, and it has the power to take it. Let's continue on in God's Word this morning as we approach our final point today. Verse 9, sometimes our tongue praises the Lord, our Father, and sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. Do we realize that no matter how much people drive us crazy, (laughs) they are created in the image of God? That's hard to think about. I had an appointment this week with my wife. We went somewhere, and this guy approached us in the parking lot. And gentlemen, if you're married and you have kids, right, there's something about usually you're like, it's okay if you want to talk to me, but don't go near my wife and kiss, right? And this guy approached us briefly, and he, and he kept asking my wife this question. It was obviously he was homeless and some different things. But then he looked at me, and he said something along the lines of, I'm not talking to you, I'm asking her. Right? And there was, I mean, we, we, actually, it was, we didn't say anything too bad, right? <laughs> Back up, son. No, it's all good. But I made it very clear, no, we're, we're moving on. You can stop talking right now, right? Um, but when we talk about people, it's very easy to fall into this trap when this, this we'll call him a Charles Barkley knucklehead. I love when Sir Charles says that to people, knucklehead. It was a knucklehead moment for this guy, whatever he was going through. But when we talk about fellow men, fellow women, our kids, we talk about people, the Bible says we curse people who are made in his image. We curse people, and they're made in God's image. They have his fingerprint they have, his, there is, there, they have his identity, no matter how far they have maybe fallen away, right? And James says, it's not right. Verse 10, would you read it with me? So blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out of both fresh and bitter water? And I love this analogy. It's a very simple analogy. We could say it like this, I have a lemon tree in my backyard, its job is to produce lemons. It's not going to produce grapes, it's not going to produce apples, it's not going to produce oranges, it is a lemon tree and that's how it should function. God is saying your tongue should function for one purpose and that is to lift people up. It shouldn't be used with a sense of duality. It shouldn't be double-minded or double-tongued. Could we say that? Read verse 12. I think this is our final scripture today, or a couple more. Does a fig tree produce olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? We'd say absolutely not. They do in nature what God had created them to do. No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. James is saying you use your tongue and we gotta, we got to stop contradicting itself. One person can speak words that utter life, and that same person, and just moments later, we can curse and speak death. Number four, and this is the seriousness 
of the weapon we possess. The mighty weapon we possess that can be used to build or it can be used to destroy. Would you write this down in your notes this morning? My tongue has the power of life and death. Wow. Would you say that to someone on your left? Get their attention? Be like, be really, you want to hear, uh, how many remember that movie, Dumb and Dumber? Anybody? I'm a millennial. That's where my mind goes, right? You want to hear, hear the most annoying sound in the world, right? Harry met Harry. Turn to someone and say this to him. Say this, my tongue. And don't say your tongue. Don't say it to your wife or your husband either. Say my, like admit it. Let's admit, let's be real with ourselves. My tongue has the power of life and death. Let's slow down and think about that. Let those words sink in. My tongue, I have the power of life and death. For decades, like you watch the church and even in the last 30 years, they call it like the, the mega church moments and the mega church movements in churches. We've, we've gotten so good at programs and VBSs and different things, but I don't know that we've been able to tame the tongue. There's a difference between mega programs and mega Christmas Eve and mega movements and then when real revival breaks out, isn't there? When real change takes place. Proverbs 18:21 it says life and death are in the power of the tongue. James says we we can't be be speaking out of both sides of our mouth. He says we're in the image of God. We were made in his image. Dr. Evans mentioned something, and I don't know if you caught it at the, during his little 60-second intro. I thought it was cool to kind of hear from someone else every now and then, right? But think about this for a moment. When we talk about being made in God's image and how we are to use our voice, how we are to use the voice that God has gifted us with, and we realize we've all messed up, but here is what I believe how we are to use our voice. We're to use it in the same way God used his voice. Right? You can go all the way back to Genesis, and we see like in creation, God didn't pull out a sledgehammer and a rake and start working his way through the field to build things. No, the Bible says he, he, he spoke, and creation began to take shape. I think there's one thing we could take away. There is power when God's people speak. The power of spoken words. God spoke, and through His speech, things started to happen. Life began to take shape. And the Bible says that Adam was being created in God's image. The Bible says Adam was given speech. Now we know, when, like you can watch Discovery Channel for a little bit, and I love watching this about, right, dolphins and mammals and lions. We know animals can communicate to each other. We know that communication is possible in nature, but we are the only piece of God's creation that can articulate with words, that can articulate. There, there is nothing in nature that can, can, can communicate like the power of speech, the power that God has blessed us with. Speech has the power to give life. Your speech, your encouragement, it has the power to shape dreams, to push people towards their God calling, their destiny, 
whatever it is, our speech, one thing we take, our speech holds more power than we could possibly imagine. And it's this most unique tool that we have that can be used. I love that analogy. We've been given spiritual dynamite. I think it's even interesting, like the way our bodies are made, right? Our tongue, it's behind our teeth and our mouth. It's like, we could say, it's like double gated. Like, be careful, right? Be careful. The Bible says we should be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to what? Become angry. Oh my goodness. And if there's ever a moment in the history of our world where I believe we need to live that out, let me me be a little quick to listen. The spiritual dynamite, it has the, the power to trailblaze, to create a new path. It has the, the power to create new roads, new destinations, to find destiny. It has the power to speak direction into those we love. You know that? Your encouragement has the power to speak direction into those that you love. And Satan understands this power more than anyone. He knows that if he can control the tongue, that he will control you. He knows that if he can control the tongue, he can control you. And listen to this, if he can control you, he can control your actions. Church, we have the greatest message in the history of humanity. This name of Jesus, there's a reason it has been around for 2,000 years. We can't even remember who the 20th president was, and that was like the most important person in our country at the time, right? But the name of Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there is power in that name. And the enemy knows it. If he can make us look bad, if he can discredit the messenger, then he can interrupt the greatest message ever. Right? If he can discredit you in the way we do it, we do it ourselves. We just, it's like words, word vomit just comes out, right? And everything that you have worked for, everything that you have lived for, everything that you have been about can just come undone with one comment, one comment, one post, one like. It can change it all. He can discredit. He can trip up all the messengers. I don't know about you, but I want to I do a better job at controlling my tongue. I want to do a better job. Do we hear that, church? That's not something I'm saying to you. I'm saying that to me. We're going to come before the table of the Lord. And it's communion Sunday, the first Sunday of the month. And would you take your cup and let's get ready to examine our hearts today. If you need a communion cup, we'll take a minute. Would you raise your hand really quick? Because sometimes we miss it on the way in the door. We need one in the front here. Any, throw your hand in the air if you need a cup. Yeah, you may have come in and it's all good. We got one over here and a couple in the back. So let's take a minute. Two over here. And we'll get that to you in just a moment. The Bible says to examine our hearts when we come before the table of the Lord. few over here as well just when you get a chance you know the thing if you want to know what is going on in your neighbor's heart listen to their words if you want to know what is going on in someone's soul listen to their words 
The tongue clearly exposes our character. It reveals our character. Let's take some communion. And before we take the bread, let's examine some things. And here's what I want to do. I want to ask you to do this this morning. Can we bow our heads and let's close our eyes? And I want you to talk to the Lord by asking him this question. Holy Spirit, would you bring to light in my mind an area where my tongue is working against your kingdom? In church, we tend to think about moments we blew it that were three years ago that was a bad joke with my spouse, whatever it is. I don't want you to think about something you did years and years ago that you kind of joke about or whatever. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to bring to light something in your mind, an area that he can expose right now that was this week. That was this weekend or this moment. God, bring to light in my mind the areas where my tongue is working against your kingdom. Because I'm either using my words to work for your kingdom, to live under your reign and rule, or I'm using my words to do something else, and usually that is to bring down your kingdom. God, reveal to me those areas where I'm actually, my tongue is working on behalf of Satan himself. James says we've all messed up. <laughs> I'm thankful we all have that in common. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he took it. He broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. God, we apologize. God, we confess. God, we say we've messed up. And so as we take this bread, God, we do this in remembrance of you with a sense of thankfulness. Can we partake of the bread together, church? Then Jesus took the cup He said this cup represents something new. It's a new covenant. It represents the blood that is going to be poured out, that is going to be sacrificed, that is going to be covering for you for remission of sin. Those times where we messed up. That's what sin, it's, it's messing up. Jesus took the cup, he flipped it over. over. So this is my blood which is poured out for you. Take, drink and do this in remembrance of me. Can we do that, church? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus into your life. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Maybe you're home. Can we keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed and just come before the Lord with this prayer? And if you're home watching with us, I just want to invite you. I want you to pray this with us as well. You can respond in the chat. You can click the button if you want. But if you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do so. The Bible says that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, anyone who calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. That's the good message that we have to take to the world. If that's you this morning, I want to ask you just to raise your eyes or raise your hand. That's just a creative method that we've devised that just says, you know what? 
I'm just going to raise my hand and acknowledge something, a decision I'm making of the heart. If that's you, maybe you have fallen away. Maybe you've made a decision to live life your own way. Maybe you're here and you didn't know how you even stumbled into church or you stumbled across a live stream that was small and you just were like, I don't know how I got here today, but I feel this nudge. And it's this realization that I need Jesus in my life. I've been living my own way. Would you just lift your hand? I'm just going to count to three. If you want to say, you know what? I want to acknowledge Jesus in this house. One, two, and three. Is there anybody here this morning? Would you just do that? I see you over there. I see you over there. Anybody else? Young man, yep, young man over there. Anyone else this way? And if you're watching at home, can we pray this prayer? I see you over there, sir. Jesus, I need you. I ask you to fill my heart. Can we say this, church? If you've prayed this 10 times or 100 times, or maybe you're praying, there's three of you that, maybe you're praying this for the very first time. Could you just say this either out loud or in your heart? Jesus, I ask you to save me. I ask you to save me from my own heart and my own decisions. I want to follow you the rest of my life. God, help me to change. Help me to do the things Jesus did. God, I don't want to release spiritual dynamite all over people for destruction, but I want to use my words to build people up, to reach people for you. God, thank you for changing us, for shaping us, and most of all, God, you need to continue to challenge us, each of us. And God, today, remind us just how important it is to share the greatest news that humanity has ever been given, and that is the name of Jesus in this house. In your name we pray, amen. Can we applaud him? Can we praise him? Can we thank him for what he is doing? Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with friends, share it with family. Help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.